if you're talking about uh, personal mistakes on their path, then the answer, I think, for Jews, for Protestant Christians, for um, Catholics, for Sunnis, and for Shia would unanimously be the same. And that is that the Torah, the Bible, and the Quran definitely points out even if some people are ignorant and they don't realize this, it does point out and it does state, those books do state that the prophets and the messengers, the divinely appointed priests, judges, and kings do commit mistakes. Thanks for joining me, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me back. So today we're going to talk about the idea of infallibility and its role in religion. Okay. And in particular, the three major Western religions, which is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. Um, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all three of them, they have this belief that God sends forward divinely appointed uh, people. Um, in Islam, they consider these divinely appointed people to be called prophets or messengers. Mm -hmm. In Judaism, uh, they don't have this title messengers that they use, uh, but they have a variety of roles in which people that were sent by God would play. And all of them are messengers from God mm -hmm. and that would be either you were a prophet, like in the case of Moses, right? Or you were a priest, like in the case of Aaron, or you were a divinely appointed king, like in the place of David. And what was the last one? A judge. A judge, like in the case of Joshua, mm -hmm. son of Nun, right? Mm -hmm. So um, all of these four roles, these people in Judaism, uh, they're believed to have a certain degree of infallibility. Uh, the people have to listen to them. Why? Because they're divinely enforced by God. Um, these people in Judaism cannot lead a person astray. Yes. Right? Yeah. So this is, this is the basic understanding of infallibility that the Jews have, is that these people, you have to follow them. They cannot lead you astray, but it doesn't mean that they cannot make mistakes. And in fact, we find in the Torah that it highlights the mistakes of the prophets and the messengers, the judges and the kings and the priests um, that were divinely appointed by God. Uh, but these mistakes that they make are not mistakes that take people out of guidance and into misguidance. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now, we have in Christianity the same idea because the Christians, they believe in the New Testament, uh, but their Bible consists of Old Testament and New Testament, which is basically the Torah and uh, a bunch of the Jewish books uh, mm -hmm. that belong to the Hebrew prophets and messengers, in addition to uh, the works, the Gospels, which narrate the story of Jesus Christ on the tongue of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah. as well as the book of Revelation, and then a whole bunch of letters and writings by Paul, the false prophet. Yes. And in Christianity, there's Protestant Christianity, right, with all of its sects, and then you have Catholicism. Yes. 
And uh, both of them believe in the infallibility of the prophets and the messengers in the same way that the Jews do. Yeah. Um, except that in Catholicism, they believe that the that there's always a divinely appointed representative of God in every day and age. Yes. Right. And that there's these divinely appointed leaders that come after Jesus. That Jesus, uh, he didn't just leave his his church open for interpretation and you being a a christian a former christian and catholic i want you to explain a little bit for the viewer uh the difference between the protestant christians and the catholic christians when it comes to this idea of infallibility and succession sure yeah um so in the bible jesus appoints simon peter and he says you are my rock upon which i will build my church and everything that you bind uh, on earth will be bound in heaven and everything that you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he gives him this authority, um, which is basically that Peter was the successor of Jesus. He appoints him and says that the authority that he has uh, to lead and to lead on behalf of God, like not, not that he's inventing uh, rulings, but that he's taking the rulings from God. He's representing God on earth. He's the divinely appointed leader and ruler. Um, this began with Simon Peter after Jesus, and the Catholics believe that there was always a successor after that leading up until today with the current Pope that we have today. So the Pope is meant to be the successor of God on earth, and the Pope has uh, God's authority to rule. Um, and his rulership and his rulings and everything that he says is actually meant to be coming from God. So um, this is called, uh, this is the concept of papal infallibility. It's believed that he has this divine uh, ability to lead people. And so the Baptists and the Methodists... They don't take that at all. They don't no. take that. They don't, but they believe that the divine uh, sending of messengers ends... Uh, in the time of Jesus and the 12 apostles, right? Yeah, I mean, it's believed, uh, it's commonly believed that they have with them the Holy Spirit and they don't need uh, uh, a leader from God. So they reject that concept. So um, does that mean that, that all the Christians become masum or infallible? In a sense, they have the they have God's Spirit, you know, with them. They believe that, that God is guiding them individually and personally. Okay. So that's uh, the majority of Christians, but the Catholics, they, they follow uh, the divinely appointed leader. Yes. We find the exact same thing taking place also in Islam, where we have Sunni Islam. And Sunni Islam has a lot of different uh, schools of thoughts and sects um, that are associated with it. And we have um, Shia Islam that also has a whole bunch of sects that are associated with it. Mm -hmm. And in Sunni Islam, it's very much like Protestant Christianity in the sense that they believe in no divinely appointed leader after the Prophet Muhammad in the same way that the Protestants believe in no divinely appointed leader after um, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, for the Sunnis, it's enough that they have the Quran and the Quran uh, doesn't make them infallible, but provides them. Uh, with enough guidance that they don't need anything else uh, after that. Okay. And uh, so they believe that Muhammad was the final of the infallibles. And the Sunni Muslims, they believe that the prophets and the messengers were all infallible, and none of them made any mistakes, really. Okay. Um, although they do recognize that the Quran highlights uh, certain 
personal mistakes that the prophets and the messengers did. And we're going to go over that in a minute. Okay. Shia Islam, it, it breaks down into many sects. Uh, you have the Zaydis, you have the Ismailis, you have the Twelver Jafaris. Um, and basically, they believe, just like the Catholics do, that after the Prophet Muhammad, in every day and age, there has to be a divinely appointed guide or successor to the Prophet that would safeguard his religion. And they believe that the 12 Imams who were appointed after the Prophet Muhammad play the same role that the 12 disciples did for Jesus in the sense that um, they safeguard his religion, although they're not sent at the same time, but they come as successors to one another. Okay. Okay? Okay. And uh, the different sects within Shia Islam, uh, they all believe in this idea of the infallibility of their imams, but they differ on the appointment of certain imams, right? So okay. some of them take off. certain individuals as imams and a different line, like uh, the Ismailis, they follow... Uh, Ismail, son of Jafar al-Sadiq, while the Twelvers, they follow Musa, son of Jafar al-Sadiq, right? Okay. Okay. Peace be upon them. That's cool parallel between the two faiths. It they, is. They have this differentiation between the, like two major groups. Exactly. So the, the, the Shia, they believe also, like the Sunnis do, and like the Christians do, and the Jews, and it seems like everybody's on the same page, that... The prophets and the messengers and the people that are appointed by God, they have to be enforced by God to a certain degree or else it's pointless to follow them. Yeah. And they all agree that their mistakes, the mistakes that the prophets and the messengers um, can do are mistakes that cannot take people out of guidance and into misguidance or else it would be pointless. Yeah. So there we get the definition and the idea of really what does infallibility mean? Does infallibility mean that a person cannot make a mistake? And, and the answer is, well, it depends on what type of mistake you're talking about. If you're talking about a mistake as in uh, breaking a certain um, you know, rule of God or introducing a rule that had nothing to do with God or causing people to worship false idols, saying that, that a false god was God, or um, delivering, uh, you know, verses that have nothing, delivering verses from the Quran that are actually from the devil. Um, the, this, no, the answer is they cannot, they're protected from that because they have with them uh, the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. And they have God enforcing them. But if you're talking about... Uh, personal mistakes on their path, then the answer, I think, for Jews, for Protestant Christians, for um, Catholics, for Sunnis, and for Shia would unanimously be the same. And that is that the Torah, the Bible, and the Quran definitely points out, even if some people are ignorant and they don't realize this, it does point out and it does state, those books do state, that the prophets and the messengers, the divinely appointed priests, judges, and kings do commit mistakes, personal mistakes on their path with God. And that's where you get the varying degrees um, of, of ranks that the prophets and the messengers ascended to. That's why you have a 
prophet like Moses, for example, uh, being much better than, say, Aaron, right? Mm -hmm. Or a prophet like Jesus being much better than a prophet like Zechariah or like John the Baptist, right? Mm -hmm. because, because the mistakes committed by that prophet were much less and their devotion and dedication and perfection was much higher. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting uh, topic because I think that it's like actually widely misunderstood. Uh, and, and I've heard many people say that it's impossible uh, that a prophet could make a mistake. Uh, but I, I agree with you that I, I can even think of, you know, some stories where it would seem that it was a mistake, but not the mistake that would lead people astray from God. Now, the final aspect of infallibility before we continue on our journey would be this differentiation between two types of infallibility uh, that people might think of when they're uh, mentioning the word infallibility. There's earned infallibility, and earned infallibility means that a prophet or messenger or an individual was not born infallible. His nature was not infallible. He came as a normal person, and at a certain point in his life, he's chosen, okay, for the message. And uh, through his dedication, uh, through him being a good believer, um, receives the Holy Spirit and then becomes infallible. So an example of earned infallibility would be, uh, we're talk, we'll talk about like very evident examples, right? Okay. So in, in, in Christianity, you might, you might have somebody like Simon Peter. Hmm. So at some point in time after following Jesus, um, he is chosen to be Jesus' successor. Uh, he's given the Holy Spirit and he becomes infallible. But that doesn't mean that Catholics believe that Simon Peter was infallible his entire life, do they? No, they don't. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we mean when we say earned infallibility. And I think that all of the prophets and the messengers and the kings, for the most part, um, had this type of infallibility. They were normal people who had normal lives, who were not born infallible, but at some point in time, there's a certain moment in the Torah, in the Bible, in the Quran, where they get chosen to be messengers or representatives of God, or moments when the Holy Spirit comes down upon them, and that is the moment where their infallibility begins. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The other idea of infallibility is this concept of inherent infallibility, that, that the person is inherently perfect, that he never committed a mistake or a sin. And I think that this concept of inherent infallibility is absent within Judaism. Earned infallibility for Jews applies to all of their, their prophets and messengers. Yeah. They believe that all of them made mistakes, you know, and all of them, before they were chosen, had mistakes or had normal lives, right? Yeah, yeah. They would all fall into that category. And, and the Jews believe that nobody 
is perfect except for God, mm-hmm. right? The Christians, because they believe that Jesus is God, yeah. they would say that Jesus had which type of infallibility, Tiffany? Inherent, inherent infallibility for sure. That he was born infallible. And he never had a mistake in his life. And, and actually, he, they, they say that he, what, he was born of a virgin birth. Exactly. Right? He is the, the son of God. Yeah. And, and because he was born of a virgin uh, in Christianity, um, he does not inherit the original sin of Adam. Right? Right. So, so therefore, like, he's mistakes the don't, yeah. sins and mistakes don't apply to him because he's not polluted by that. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now, which is interesting, by the way, but it's a, it's a topic for, for another episode because they, they claim that because he didn't have a father, um, he didn't have sin because mm-hmm. he couldn't inherit the sin from Adam. But yet in Christianity, they believe that Eve was the original sinner, right? Mm-hmm. That, not Adam. Yeah. Uh, I mean, That's Adam true. was too, but Eve was kind of, uh, she's the, yeah. the first one who ate from the tree. And so we'll discuss in a future aspect about sin. Can it come down? Does it come down through the womb or through the seed? Or, or how does this take place? Okay. And then we have the... And the idea in Islam of inherent infallibility. And I think that um, for Sunnis and for Shia, they both have narrations um, which regard the Prophet Muhammad as being inherently infallible. Uh, they believe that the Prophet Muhammad was always protected and safeguarded from ever making a mistake. Yeah. And history, the narrations of the Ahl Bayt and also the Sunni narrations uh, demonstrate that. And there's one narration which speaks about how the Prophet, um, before uh, Islam, he was invited to go to a party. And there was a lot of alcohol and other things that were going on there. And God causes him to fall asleep, um, in, you know, so that he doesn't partake or participate uh, in this matter. So you find that the Prophet's always been kind of protected from that. And there's, you know, and he's always been known as the righteous one. He's always been known as the trustworthy one. He's always been known to be extremely honest and to have these traits of perfection from the time that he was a little boy all the way um, unto, until adulthood and, and, and uh, you know, during the rest of the course of his life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So Jews, they believe in earned infallibility. Uh, Christians, they do too. So do Muslims. Uh, But for Christians, Jesus has inherent infallibility. And for Muslims, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi has inherent infallibility. Yes. Yes. For Shia Muslims, though, the inherent infallibility extends and it includes not just Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi but it also includes the 14 infallibles, the rest of the 14 infallibles. And for them, that would be who? All those that they believe the verse uh, of God applies to in Surah Al-Hazab, verse 33. Uh, Verily, God only wishes to remove all impurities from you, O Ahl al-Bayt, O people of the house, and to purify you a thorough purification. Mm. And so uh, they take this verse to prove that God 
in you know he washed away every sin and every mistake not just from Muhammad sallallahu but from his daughter Fatima yeah and his his grandsons al Hassan and al Hussein and his successor Imam Ali salam so those are the people of the house in addition to the nine imams that come from the lineage of al Hussein starting with Imam Zain al Abidin and ending uh, with Imam al-Mahdi, that these 14 in- infallibles are inherently, um, you know, without sin and without mistake, and it's just their nature. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So, uh, people have, have, have struggled with this idea, uh, and scholars have talked about uh, this idea of infallibility and the sending or choosing of prophets and messengers, and... Uh, God's justice, right? Like so so in simple terms, if God is just, why is he choosing these particular people uh to bestow upon them the Holy Spirit? Why didn't he choose me instead? Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. If God is just, why didn't he give everybody the chance to to hear his commands or hear his voice? You know, why is it that these prophets and messengers are not in a test like the rest of us, right? They hear God's voice. They see the angels. uh, Believing for them uh, should not be difficult as to where like we have to trust in their words. This is extremely difficult, right? And it seems like the believer gets the shorter end of the stick. So is this true or is this not true? Um, And we have in the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt, it states that, Basically, in a world beforehand, uh, in the Adam world, uh, God tested all of the souls, you know, and uh, he sets this great fire. And all of the souls of the prophets and the messengers and the people are commanded to go into the fire. And uh, the ones that respond, there there was three groups of people, a group of people that jumped in the fire, a group of people that didn't jump in the fire and a group of people that were hesitant and then they jumped in the fire. Okay. So, um, and so the narration states that the, the, the first ones that jumped without fear or hesitation into the fire were the prophets and the messengers and the righteous ones, right? Okay. And the ones that hesitated or the rest of the believers and the people that didn't go in are the ones that ended up being non-believers uh, in, this, in this world. Another narration states that God basically, uh, before sending people down in human form, he has this veil. And from behind the veil, Tiffany, he yells out or he shouts out, am I not your Lord? Right. And, and so the first ones that prostrate and say, yes, you are, are, are Muhammad sallallahu in his household. Uh, followed by the prophets and the messengers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one would prostrate and then the other and then the other and then the other. Okay. The, and that was the ranks of the prophets and the messengers. Okay. Those who prostrated the fastest versus those who who hesitated a little bit versus the believers who hesitated a lot okay. versus uh, the non-believers who didn't. Okay. And that's what determined uh, the ranks and who was sent as a prophet messenger in this world. Interesting. It's a reflection of it what happened in the spiritual realm. And then we also have people that state, and, and it is true as well, that also in this world, the prophets and the messengers uh, were chosen because they were the best of the people. <laughs> they were the most, the most uh, dedicated, the most loyal, 
um, the most sincere, you know, the best of the believers end up being chosen as prophets and messengers. Okay. And so you find in, in, in religion this kind of ranking system that's, that's taking place. So you have believers, and they're better than non-believers. And so it's non-believers, believers, and then there's prophets, right? And then there's the best of prophets, which are ulilazm prophets, or prophets that came with a with a new jurisprudence or a new covenant, as we spoke about yeah. in the last episode. And then and 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 those ones that reach this rank of of being of being prophets of covenants, uh, they uh, basically had a higher form of infallibility. And that higher form of infallibility in the Quran, they would call it imamat, right? Because mm -hmm. Abraham, after he was chosen to be a prophet and a messenger, he ended up being chosen for imamat, right? Mm -hmm. And even within prophethood, before we get to that rank of that, you have prophets that were receiving prophecies and then prophets that were actually sent to nations as messengers. Um, so you have 124,000 prophets. And out of those 124,000 prophets, you have 313 that were sent as messengers, specifically to nations, to people. Uh, these ones, they could prophesy, but they weren't in task. They didn't have that task to go to a particular nation as to where the best of those prophets that received the guidance from God, um, they were actually sent forward with a task to face a nation Okay. And so it had to be those prophets with the best of faith, the best of certitude, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's easy to receive a prophecy from God in the dream. Yeah, you and believe in yourself. You, you know it to be yourself. true. Yeah. But it becomes much harder if you actually have to go and proclaim it mm -hmm. and convince other people and hear the other people denying. So the 313 prophets that became messengers... Um, they had a lot more faith and they were much better and had a higher degree of infallibility that they earned through their faith than the other 124,000 prophets. And the 124,000 prophets, they had earned infallibility as to where the normal believers did not have it. And the covenant prophets, they had an even greater uh, form of infallibility than those 313 messengers because now they're receiving prophecies they're having to face nations, and at the same time, yeah. they have to come with a message that's completely new yeah. than the message that came before them. Yeah, and right? it's an extremely difficult job, as we we, we talked about it before, uh, the stuff that they had to face in convincing the people that uh, this is God's religion, and God's religion has changed, and there's a new covenant. It's, it's much harder mm -hmm. than having to just face uh, people based on the jurisprudence and the traditions of the messengers who come before people are more inclined to believe that exactly yeah. okay and so now for shia islam this rank of imamat that the covenant prophets have this rank of imamat is the same uh, type of imamat actually the the 14 infallibles would have a greater uh, form of imamat because the imamat then of the covenant prophets that are noah abraham moses jesus right yes those four they have earned infallibility in the islam and shia islam okay as to where muhammad and the imams his successors they have inherent infallibility 
So that is the only difference between Muhammad and his successors from those four uh, covenant prophets, uh, basically Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, that they're all kind of in the same rank, except that uh, that these their nature, Muhammad and his family's nature, is infallible versus uh, versus them. Okay. Okay. Okay.